Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Great to have you with us on this Wednesday. Our high school roundtable tomorrow. We've got people who have invested their lives in high school football in our area and in the state. And we're really looking forward to that. Neil Kulong, by the way, in a few moments. Tomorrow, by the way, Mitch Rupert whom I have great respect for, the Chief Dave Ritchie, whom I have great respect for, and Greg Wetzel, whom I have great respect for. The audience is so fortunate to be able to hear those three talk about this tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it very, very much. All right, let's get to our play-by-play call of the day. Jones in the corner, won't foul him. That's it. Penn State knocks off fourth rank Maryland, and here they come onto the floor. The Nittany Lions win it 76 to 69. Okay, Dick Girardi's broadcast partner on the Penn State Sports Network. Last night, we had a request to play the end of the, of the last Shikolimi game on, and we turned it down. Well, the season just got started. It's early. Yeah, but I know you felt pressure. (laughs) (laughs) I was not threatened or bribed, believe it or not. (laughs) Just like to point out that it's not midnight yet. All right. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's, uh, you know, I think it's time for us to all go out for the holidays and by duck calls. What do you think? Well, I mean, do you now today? I spent t- today, believe it or not, with Taylor Battle. Oh, that's right. He was in town right? for the game last night. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It's been an hour, hour with Taylor today. Taylor Battle, Penn State's all-time leading scorer, and you know that his nickname is Bubby. And the reason his nickname is Bubby is that Taylor' mom. Loved Bubby Brewster. So she nicknamed him Bubby. Well, speaking of number six, that now belongs to the duck, Devlin Hodges. And Neil Kulong has already gone out and bought duck calls. True? Quack, quack. (laughs) I I don't think anybody saw that coming, yet it's so fitting in the middle of duck season that we would have a, a, a duck in Pittsburgh. Yes. And it, it's it's crazy. I mean, people are just going nuts over this guy. And um, it, it's, it makes no earthly sense at all, any of the things that are happening. But you know what? That's uh, That's been the Steelers over the last two years, you know? <laughs> in, in, in a lot of ways, this is kind of the the, the yin to the other uh, last year's yang, you know? It, it's been yeah. a... a 
convoluted last two seasons. And I, I want to say they had to go through that to get to this point. They almost had to have, you know, a, a, a sacrifice in some way to get through everything that happened, to get through the, the bad karma that, that had surrounded them um, and create something out of nothing, from nothing. And really, there there isn't a better leader for that than than Devlin Duck Hodges. It's uh, it's it's perfect. It's a storybook season. I I can't even say any more that I'm waiting for the other shoe to fall. Um, it's got to at some point, though, doesn't it? I mean, um, but what but what does it tell you that the locker room, uh, while cleansed of talent? was also cleansed of certain personalities and now a Marquise Pouncey is the personality of the locker room. What does that tell us? I think it, the, the way you put it, I think, is, is right. In, in many ways, this is kind of a cleansing fire if, and I, I, I emphasize if, uh, it becomes that Marquise Pouncey is, is seen in a higher position than he always was. You know, it, Marquise mm-hmm. runs that locker room, and he always has. Mm-hmm. You just didn't notice it. You didn't see it. There wasn't a reason for that. So, it, it, again, in a very uh, fortuitous way, Pouncey getting suspended elevated his status internally. He did something. He sacrificed himself for the team. And not only is he benefiting just from notoriety for it, the team seems to be galvanized by it. They rallied around him. Everyone's excited for him. Um, he's highly respected around the league, highly respected within the locker room. He's without question a leader of the team, and he's earned that. But you're seeing that in, in a more tangible way now, I think, than, than we probably have in the past. And this is the kind of thing that happens when – and I'm not saying that this should happen, but when you have – um, a, a necessary takeover of leadership, you know, a cultural change just due to the absence of players uh, through the team's choice, through the player's choice, and through injury. You get past that, uh, you, you're creating something else. And from there, it, it's, it's wide open of how you want that culture to be cultivated. And if anything, that's what you credit Mike Tomlin for um, in, in the rest of the coaching staff in this season. Not only are they not winning without you know, at least what we perceive to be talent, um, you know, for, for the overwhelming majority of this year, they're creating uh, the future foundation for a team that you got to think can win if, if a couple things continue to kind of go their way. If, if they can navigate uh, some of the losses they're going to have defensively, this, this is an 11 or 12 win team that's not going to be easy for anybody to beat. And right. that might happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, you're you're right about that. Um, I, I think I think the same thing when when you look at them play. Uh, it's also a team that is very interesting when it comes to the youth, which with they're doing this. I mean, that's and not only that, they're doing it with some unheralded talent. That's what gets me is the unheralded talent that stepped up. This is where the Steelers are dangerous. They are now a team that is confident. I think that's the big. I think they're confident in what they do now. Yeah, I, I would agree a thousand percent. And it, it's it, it, what I said about this team going into this year. If we go back to the sound bites in, in August when we were talking leading into the season, and we have expected, and we have all of them, by the way. No, I'm just that's, kidding. Gary, I don't, I don't want to know that. It, it, it's it, you look at where they were, and this is this is before any you know confirmed report of a Roethlisberger injury. Sure. Um, 
I thought this team was going to have a very rough start to the year mm-hmm. because of how young they were offensively. Yeah. They were going to pay for future success by having to throw a bunch of younger guys in the fire perhaps a little bit earlier than they would have wanted to. Not only have they come out of that probably 500% faster than I thought they would, I think they're even better than I thought they were going to be. And we're starting to see cracks of that on offense. It's still kind of a plodding unit, but if you were to have told me when we were talking in August, not only are you down Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, mm-hmm. Ben Roethlisberger is going to be injured for the, for the entirety of the time that he's playing. And you're not going to ever get Ben Roethlisberger this right. year. And you're going to see significant time missed by James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster. If you would have told me that flat out, I would have said this is a three-win football team. And that's because they get to play the Bengals twice. And they'll, they'll steal a win somewhere else. And I don't think I'd be too far off the, the general sentiment of that. Just simply because that's all of their firepower. Right. That's all of it. For them to have rebuilt their identity and, and in painfully in, in many ways, it's not a good offensive team. I'm not going to claim that they are. Sure. Uh, for them to have done that on the backs of a defense that's above and beyond, I think, anybody's wild sex expectations for this year, uh, for them to have done that and have an offense that is improving behind mm-hmm. an undrafted uh, rookie quarterback from the FCS that nobody had heard of going into this year. To have done all of that, you you would have thought that a lot of really weird things would have happened across the NFL. But really, this this might be the weirdest story of the year. I mean, it really just doesn't make a whole lot of sense that they they were able to eke out eight wins on the season, let alone be three games above yeah. five hundred uh, at this point, and you know, in in a pretty good position to to advance to the playoffs. How do you view the matchup with Buffalo Sunday night? Um. God, I, I hate to say this because I, I feel like the more pessimistic I've been about their chances, the more they've proven me wrong. It seems to, to charge them up. Um, I like their matchup against Buffalo. This is the first time I've said this in, in a while. Uh-oh. I like what they have against Buffalo. Um, Buffalo is also a very good defensive team. Um, they're also they, – they might be the only team that has a, a, a smallish – uh, advantage when it comes to the quarterback. Josh Allen, you, you don't know what you're going to get from Josh Allen week in, week out. We, we expected that to be uh, Josh Allen if he was still starting at, at this point in his career. Um, I think he's not consistent enough to make enough plays to beat a defense like this. I don't think Baltimore's defense is as good uh, as Pittsburgh's is, and he struggled quite a bit. He wasn't able to make big plays. Uh, they contained him into the pocket, which when he gets outside the pocket, that's that's when he's real trouble. Um, I, I think the Steelers can win this game almost comfortably. I, I think you know Buffalo is a good football team. I just don't think they match up well with Pittsburgh. Their, their offense isn't going to do anything at all, and the Steelers will be able to do something considering it's a prime home game, um, and they're they're playing the way that they are. They have the confidence that they have, and it sounds like uh, they'll get Smith Schuster back. For this game um, that that's going to make it just you know a little bit more difficult for Buffalo to plan. I, I don't. I think Pittsburgh can probably hold them to 13 points and win the game just right. with that. Uh, finally, should the Patriots uh, have their um, um, their videotaping uh, equipment taken away from them? I don't even know what else you do at this point. I mean, it's, it's, it's so funny to me. And I, I burst out laughing when it's I the, read. It's the Bengals. Well, even if it's not, really, if, if you're New England, if, if you are a team 
that oh. prides itself on this, you know, espionage level uh, intelligence yeah. gathering. If, if you're doing that, it's a new coach. That's why you're doing it. You're not doing it necessarily sure. for this upcoming week. You're doing it for the future. Sure. And I understand that they have a documentary series, but if you're naive enough to think that it just ends with that, and oh. that's why there's a bunch of reports saying that they've got the camera trained on the Bengal sideline for like 20 seconds, I, I don't know what else to tell you. It, it's obvious that that's what they were doing. There's not going to be enough to really prove it. I think they'll get fined because it, it's it's such a story now they have to. Uh, they, the league has to do something about it, but it, it's so funny to me because this is exactly what they were reported to have been doing back in the Spygate days. Word for word, it's exactly the playbook that they put together. We're going to send people disguised as media. We're going to have them film stuff. And if you get caught, just say that you're doing some kind of internal production. It's exactly what they're doing, except they're actually doing it now. And I don't know if you you bothered to take a look at it, but it's one of the most boring things I've ever seen. I watched the, the clip of... Um, the, the piece they did on their athletic trainers, and, and I don't mean any disrespect to them. It's it's a well produced you know documentary. It, it's nothing against uh, what it is, but it's just ungodly boring. There, there's a reason why they don't you know kind of bring to light these things to to a, a, a an attention starved public. You know they don't want this information. It's out there and it, it's credible. I'm not saying that they weren't doing something along with you know the, the shenanigans that they've been known to do but both of those things can exist and they they can put together as many documentaries as they want i'm not buying that that's not you know a a cover for (laughs) at least uh equal weight to to be able to get in the press box and film the way that you want to film Uh, they're clearly uh very driven to film in this fashion i don't know what they're getting out of it i just know i just know i've been around the game long enough to know you can decipher everything from a coach on what they're signaling, how they're substituting. These things are uh, not allowed in the NFL for a reason. And you, you can't tell me that's not what the Patriots were doing. And, uh, again, it, it just creates more of a problem. I don't know why uh, uh, they need to <laughs> – just don't get caught, okay? Like, <laughs> Nobody else gets caught doing anything. Why can't you just not get caught? Why, why don't – you know, it, it's – it's like Belichick wants to get caught, you know? It's like he he wants to, to throw his thumb up at everybody else and just say, you know, you can't touch me. You can't – I'm just going to – I have plausible deniability because now it's separated. This isn't football. Like, okay, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me at all. Why, why can't you just not get caught? Yeah. Can you not hire the, the Sean Eckerts of, of your organization <laughs> to, to go and film something <laughs> – and not draw the attention of everybody else. Is that possible for you Sean, to do? Sean it, Eckert. It, it, can, can you not imagine that, though? I mean, it, it, I it, who well, are the buffoons that you have deflating the football? Who are the people that you have, you know, walking into to close practices to film? Why don't you just not get caught? Try that. You know, maybe, maybe everyone will rest easier if you just do that. We don't, you know, what we don't know in the NFL isn't really going to hurt us. So just don't make a scene of this every single year, and and certainly not in a bad year for you. Hey, look, if Gene Hackman had done this in the replacements, I'd have found some legitimacy to it. <laughs> I guess he had replacement players. All right, you can you can write up a reason for that. 
Now that, to me, is justified. I've got replacements that you don't. I'm going to tape your signals. All right. Maybe that's what the Steelers should be doing then. <laughs> Maybe that's it. That's how they're getting by with I'm their sorry. offensive players. We have Duck Hodges at quarterback. I think we're allowed to under <laughs> the rules to tape your signals. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Give us a break here. <laughs> Neil, always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Neil Kulong, USA Today. We're talking about the Duck. Steelers are going to win the Super Bowl with a guy named the Duck. Yeah. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. Sunbury Motors Kia knows they can. 2019 has been a great year for Sunbury Motors Kia. They need 24 new Kia sold to reach their best sales year ever. Buy a new 2020 Kia Soul S for only $17,549. Save over $4,300. Two SUVs you have to put on your list are the Kia Sorento and Sportage. At SMC, a 2020 Kia Sportage is a steal at $24,549. Save over over $5,000. And a 2019 Kia Sorento S all-wheel drive is $27,999. That's over eight grand in discounts. Sunbury Motors needs just 24 new Kia sold to break their one-year sales record. And all Kias come with a 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. This little import dealer knows they can. Sunbury Motors Kia on the Strip in Hummel's Wharf. Have you with us on this Wednesday? A week from today is National Letter of Intent Day for college football. Time to restock, replenish, and set the future for Penn State football. And it's going to be a very active day. Very active. We're looking forward to it. We'll have comments from James Franklin afterward, which will air for you here. And then after that will be Bowl Media Day on Friday the 20th. And then, the, in fact, they're, going to, they're, they're practicing again tomorrow, and they're practicing again Saturday, and the banquet Sunday. And then next week's finals, so I have to work around practices, a couple practices around finals next week. And go from there. And then obviously then they'll go to the Metroplex. A little bit different. Uh, this will be just the second time under James where they've had to spend Christmas away from home because James always tailors the... Bowl structure uh, so that the players can be home at Christmas. Well, the Pinstripe Bowl, they couldn't. That game was on the 27th of December. This will be the 28th. So they're going to have to spend Christmas there. But the idea is, as of right now, they want to come back right away after the game. That way the players can get some time off at New Year's. Because, look, they've earned it. They've worked hard. They've accomplished a lot. They have a chance to accomplish even more. But he's also very mindful of what family means and about the players wanting to be with their families during certain holidays. Christmas, they're going out. Now, obviously, some of the families, parents, are going to the game. 
and they'll have an opportunity, like all of us, to go into Jerry World. I've only been to Jerry World. I've never done a game there. I've talked to Paul Keels about doing a game there because Paul did the national semifinal there a couple of years ago. In fact, I think he did the they did the national championship game that they won in 2014 there. So it'll be great to see the big scoreboard there. Sure, Jerry Jones will stop by the booth. He'll want to say hi to us. No? You don't think so? They carve out some time. Why not? Should. He definitely should. Well, probably somebody will tell him that maybe somewhere down the road we're related. Ooh, a possible him. Which then leads to inheritance, which then leads to you being the director of player personnel. (laughs) On the Penn State Sports Network, from Learfield IMG College, Nick Lion Basketball is on the air. Fires the three, gone, and Lamar Stevens drops the train. Far corner at the wire, Jones got it! Stevens goes on window, kicks it to Watkins, slams up. Stevens, his passing tonight has been incredible. Also, far wing Jones, three ball gone. That ball move has just been spectacular all night. And a steal by Brockington. How in the bead, land slam dunk right here. A spectacular play. Waits, two to shoot, far corner Brockington at the wire, got it. Biggest shot of the game so far. Jones in the corner, he won't foul him. That's it. Penn State knocks off fourth by Maryland, and here they come onto the floor. The Nittany Lions win it, 76 to 69. The Nittany Lions play here. When you think sports, think 1070 AM, WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Great to have you with us on the show today. All right, so it's your guy, the duck, out there getting it done. Yeah, this will be his biggest test to date Sunday night as they, I'd have to say both of these teams in the AFC surprising quite a few people. I would say tons of people did not expect Pittsburgh at this point to be 8-5, and five, especially after Ben went down. But how about the Buffalo Bills? Impressive so far. This is the only thing they really haven't done so far is just getting past the Patriots in their division. But they get one more chance to play them here toward the end of the season. Well, I am uh, one that when Ben Roethlisberger went down, I said they were going to be an under five hundred team, might be six and ten. So they have far exceeded what I thought they were going to do. And this is what we try to point out from time to time. Hey, look, it's okay for you to sit here and do this show and say, "Hey, look, I missed," because the vast majority of the time we hit. <laughs> But you don't want to sit there all the time and go, it's like, oh, we were never wrong in this show. Hey, guess what? I'm happy to say I was wrong. 
I'm still not quite sure how this guy is getting it done. <laughs> but he was a record-setting quarterback. He was a record-setting quarterback at Samford, which is, by the way, where where Bobby Bowden got his head coaching start. There's always that big thing about how many wins he got at Sanford. Does that count toward his victory total? Things like that. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Doesn't really matter. Uh, But the guy obviously threw the ball a lot in college. Didn't face the greatest secondaries in college or pass rush. But you know what? You get used to throwing it a lot. You're not bad at it. I got to give him credit. He's done a heck of a job. You're right about the challenge, though. I'll say this Sean McDermott, who, by the way, spent some time with Cale Sanderson here this summer, came down with Terry Pagula. They were on their way to Pittsburgh, and Pagula wanted him to beat Cale Sanderson. So Sean McDermott came in here and he met Cale Sanderson. And Cale asked, right away out of the gate, asked the question he always asks, which you know what that is, right, Sean? It's just you two, right? Yes. It's not that guy from Dan. It's not that guy from Benton and Danville, is it? No. No. Uh-uh. Because there are there are legal issues. All right. <laughs> Ramifications, Stalk. stipulations, yeah. stalking. All right. So it's <laughs> so. He came in and he saw him, you know, because you, you, you want to be around the best. You want to see how the best operates. And Terry wanted to make sure Sean had a chance to meet Kale, talk a little bit. And now he's going back into Pittsburgh Sunday night. And that's one area. Sean McDermott cut his teeth in the game on the defensive side of the ball. So what will they be able to do defensively? Because let's let's face it, on face value, the first team to 17 in this game might win it. The Steeler defense is that good. Doesn't really matter about the Buffalo offense. The Steeler defense is that good. But I think the Buffalo defense is that good too. I think, you know, because look, the Steeler offense is wounded still. I mean, they're doing enough to win, but they're still wounded. And Buffalo has a good defense. Maybe not great, but a good defense against a wounded offense. Conversely, you have. An offense for Buffalo that has done enough to win, but that's what they've done versus a defense that is a stone-cold crusher. That is that's, That Steeler defense is something else. Boy. Well, they're it's finally a, they're yeah. finally getting they're finally getting edge pressure on both sides of the ball. Bud Dupree is finally playing lights out, something that Steeler fans have looked for for quite some time. So now is he's in the final year of his deal. He couldn't time his great play any better because this is going to lead up to a great payday for him when free agency hits in March. But you know, T.J. Watt has had a terrific season, and I think one player 
And this will be something maybe we could kick around with Neil Kulong as we go through the rest of the regular season. I think one player in the secondary that we're not really talking about all that much because we're talking about Joe Hayden, we're talking about Minka Fitzpatrick. One guy that's playing really well is Steven Nelson. He's got a bigger, mm-hmm. stronger body type. And I think with the all, with the attention and direction that's been given toward Joe and, and Minka, uh, Steven is also carving out a terrific year as well. I mean, we had every right to rip apart how the secondary played last year, but what a phenomenal turnaround that portion of the defense has had this year. Nelson's been really good, and it's a good balance opposite Joe Hayden and you got Micah Fitzpatrick. The other guy, too, that I've always looked at as one of those combine guys that I felt the Steelers over the years have made mistakes with uh, was Bud Dupree. And I'd say middle of last year, Bud Dupree started making a play here and a play there. Then he made a couple more plays here and a couple more plays there as the season went last year. This year, Bud Dupree's been terrific. Having Watt on the other side really helps. But that's the difference between the Eagles and the Steelers right now. The Eagles, who are tied for first place, have been just frustrating for everybody. And it's not as if it's not as if the Eagles haven't been hit with a lot of injuries. I mean, their wide receiving core is decimated. Decimated. Uh, the offensive line has been no better than okay. I think cutting loose Stefan Wisniewski was not a smart move. He gave you versatility and quality up there that could have maybe filled the breach in a couple spots. Defensively, the secondary has not been very good. Not very good. And yeah, you had some tough injuries for the Eagles on Monday night. Lane oh, Johnson yeah, left the yeah, game. Yeah. Ronald Darby right. left the game, but according to our Eagles insider in studio, said he should be uh, back available for Sunday. Yeah, but he hasn't been playing well. I mean, to be honest with you, Darby has not been playing well. Lane Johnson has. But Darby's been, like, a couple games very good, a couple games like, ugh. Uh, so, then you, so the Eagles have been like the Phillies. Expectations. And then even the wins haven't been enjoyable. Now, if they can beat Dallas, then that narrative changes. No matter how they do it, that'll be an enjoyable win for Eagles fans. But you feel like, and let's go back to what Matt Leon said about the Phillies. He said even the wins just weren't exhilarating. They were a frustrating team. The Eagles have been like that. Even the wins have not been exhilarating. They've been a frustrating team. Yeah, they won the other night. They did it in the kind of, wow, look at look how they played in the second half. Look at that drive in overtime, the whole deal. Got it. Yet it was the Giants who were not good, and thus you don't walk away. You walk away more like, oh, good. All right. Survive that one. And you're not supposed to feel that way after wins. You're not. And then you take the Steelers. Because the Steelers went from high expectations for 15, 16 years to finally for the first time in such a long time having no expectations. Your quarterback is nicknamed Duck. Hey, 
your running back situation, Connor's in and out of the lineup. Schuster has been in and out of the lineup. Good thing is both of them did practice today, so that's a terrific sign. Love to hear that. But I'm saying they're they're exhilarating for their fan base because they're winning games that they really probably you know didn't think they'd win. Considering oh, I the completely agree with you. And now, just one thing I keep in the back of my mind for the rest of the season: Can we have a healthy James Conner? Not just for Sunday, can he get through four quarters? But can he get through the rest of the regular season healthy? Right. So. That's in between the two fan bases. I mean, probably, well, I don't know. I don't know if I would say the Eagles have a more talented roster because the Steelers' defensive roster is enviable. Oh, I think the Eagle. I think the talent roster on the Eagles is there for sure. I mean, boy, what did? I mean, they're just the the, well, the hype surrounding, but the hype surrounding that team, and yeah, even but, some yeah, kicking but, around Super Bowl to connect but, with that team during the off season. But there's no Deshaun Jackson. There's no Nelson Aguilar. There's no Alshon Jeffrey. Hey, there's no Jordan Howard, as well as Miles has played. Defensively, they've been okay, not great. Now let's go to the Steelers. Again, the same story with, with the offense. Very nondescript. Connor's a really good NFL running back, but hurt. Smith-Schuster's a very good NFL receiver, but hurt. Now the offensive line, Pouncey and DeCastro are really, really good players, obviously. Defensively, though, Watt, Cameron Hayward, we got a lump in Bud Dupree, Hargraves, okay, Hayden, Nelson, Minka Fitzpatrick. Wow. Can you imagine how even better of a defense that would be if Steph Tua didn't get knocked out for the season during the Chargers game? Right. Exactly. But I mean, but everybody's going to have to go through that. I mean, everybody has injuries. Sure. Yeah. I mean, every, I mean, even the Patriots have had a couple. Uh, we don't have a kicker yet. Yeah, that's okay. It's on to Cincinnati. We need a kicker, Bill, on to Cincinnati. Bill, we need a kicker. <laughs> okay. The uh, So, that's been the amazing part. Steeler fans, for the first time in a long time, have no expectations, and it's been enjoyable. Conversely, conversely, uh, Eagles fans had expectations, and it's been frustrating. All right, we'll take a break. Wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right, Bleacher Report has Micah Parsons as a first-team All-American. And CBSSports.com put out its uh, uh, All-American teams, and Micah Parsons is second-team All-American. So there you go. Willie Taggart is about to be named the head football coach at Florida Atlantic, replacing Lane Kiffin, who took the Ole Miss job. And... Steve Adazio, recently fired at Boston College, is about to become the head coach at Colorado State. Colorado State is a brand-new stadium, gorgeous place, out there in Fort Collins. I started following Colorado State football 
years ago for one reason and one reason only. Because this one person kept telling me over and over again how much he really liked and respected Sonny Lubick. And told me, you know, what a good guy he is. He runs a clean program. You know, anytime Colorado State was on, he always wanted to watch him. And what, and he got me to start watching them. That guy was Joe Paterno. Oh, Steve, Sonny Lubick, boy, you'd really like him. Yeah. You know, it's the kind of, kind of guy, you know, I know you'd like. like. So I started... I started uh, following Colorado State football because Joe talked about Sonny Lubick, and then always, you know, it's one of those teams I always looked at and said, "Hey, you know what? Um, I hope they do well." Well, now they've gone from Mike Bobo, and now they've got Steve Adazio. That's a good hire for Colorado State. It's a good hire. And as for Willie Taggart. This probably is the level that at the moment he should be at as a head coach. You can't really judge what he was doing at Oregon. He wasn't there long enough. So I can't really judge if he was on the right track with everything at Oregon. But obviously, when you look at the personnel there and what Mario Cristobal has done with it, you know, Willie Taggart deserves some, by the way, some credit helping out there. Florida State didn't work out. I think for him to rehabilitate his image, this is uh, I think Florida Atlantic's a great stop for him. I thought it would be for Charlie Strong at South Florida, and then he ended up losing his job there after he got off to a great start at South Florida. So that's the coaching carousel for today. If you would pass that along to you, considering it, because as soon as I mentioned the Willie Taggart thing, the first thing Sean said was, wow, I think you were really surprised. And then we'll find out what Penn State wants to do about the offensive coordinator's job. You've got a lot of people now looking at flight aware and things like that. Is a plane coming in from here, a plane coming in from there. Who is it? Yeah, I'll hang around practice a little bit tomorrow. Uh, we get the talk show tomorrow night, but I'll be able to go over for the talk show tomorrow. Kind of get a read on what's going on. They've had a couple of practices. They did get together as a team, and they practiced on Sunday. The first practice, which was last week, I think was grad assistance, and it was with the uh, non-travel guys. I mean, they're all going to travel. Um, so, I mean, they're all going to travel. But you know what I mean. The guys that aren't in the 74-man travel roster, uh, they were worked out last week. Then the entire team got together Sunday. They're practicing again tomorrow. Then they're going to practice Saturday morning. Then the banquet is Sunday. Now, how they want to... Uh, they were going to send me the schedule... Because next week is with with finals becomes a little bit of a mishmash. You can't really get everybody together all at once. But what's interesting is that the game, because it's the 28th, is a Saturday. So you can do your normal game week routine leading in. You can go Sunday and you can do your, your walkthrough. You can take Monday off. You can go 
a little heavier on Tuesday, a little lighter on Wednesday. Then you walk through and you're, uh, you're regen on Friday and then play the game. So actually it ends up being a normal week practice-wise because the game is on a Saturday. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app. 